Hello, everybody, and welcome to Single Mother Talks. My name is Marita, and this is my show. Today, I wanted to dedicate an entire podcast episode on this one topic, which turns out to be what I would consider to be my greatest fault. It is something that is the most challenging for me that will take years to undo um, and it takes constant effort and it's something that distinctly changed the the journey of my life, changed me in a drastic way, uh, changed my entire persona, everything about me. So welcome, you get a front row seat to me sharing, you know, what is my my biggest, my hugest struggle in life, even, even today. Um, and I wanted to specifically talk about this because I think a lot of single mothers struggle with this as well. Because being reactive is not pretty, it's not sensible, it's not mature, um, but it's really hard to control yourself in a moment. There are sort of these knee-jerk reactions that we can have to things. When a situation pushes us to an extreme or a person pushes us to an extreme and then we learn this, this reactionary mechanism, it's programming, it's deeply embedded programming that is totally correlated to survival, surviving you know, that situation, um, like knowing or perceiving something to be a danger and then reacting in a way where you're ready to go, like you're ready to protect yourself, defend this, you know, you're, you're ready to go to war. And that's why people that are really reactive, you know, often have had really difficult lives. And so, so I want to talk about this and so I'll start this off by saying that I really remember the, the 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 time in my life where this turned on for me, like this thing switched on inside me and I was changed forever. So in order for me to, you know, give you the full picture and come across where you can understand what I'm saying, I need to provide a bit of backstory um, and so, you know, this, this is my podcast, Single Mother Talks, right? And the reason why I've started this is because, you know, I was a single mother at 17. I had gotten involved with somebody who was seven years older than me, pretty much the worst kind of person <laughs> that your, your dad would tell you to never get involved with, <laughs> you know, six foot two tattoos connections to you know the 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 underground whatever you want to call it the wrong connections very dangerous man um and so you know because my dad left and abandoned our family you know in my early teens um and i was a very troubled teenager i had i struggled so much um in my teens and then along came this person and i remember one of the first things that he said to me, like, because he was fixated on me after after we met. Um, and, you know, he had a really bad reputation in town. And he was feared. Um, 
And he said, you know me now, I'll protect you. Nobody's going to mess with you. And he stayed true to that promise. You know, he took it to heart. My enemies were his enemies. And I watched this guy in action. I've seen this guy in so many fights doing all kinds of disturbing things. Um, but as you can guess, eventually all of that was directed towards me. And so, you know, I was pretty much on my own, navigating my own life at 17. And after I got pregnant, I mean, the abuse started before I got pregnant, right? We were together for like a year before I got pregnant. And, you know, I was being exposed to a whole other world because of this individual, right? Like he was leading me through heroin houses where people were passed out everywhere. And, you know, and he told me not to talk to anybody or touch anything and to, to go like meet this person and talk to them about something. And, and, you know, I saw fights and was exposed to all kinds of, um, drug use, not for me, but the places that we would go, people were always doing drugs. And I was so honestly naive. I didn't know half of what was going on. Um, and half of his anger and aggression that he eventually directed towards me, you know, was because he was going in and out of withdrawal, right? And so my dad was a minister. I grew up, my childhood was religious and I grew up in a church and I was very quiet, very soft-spoken. I had, I had a lot of issues in my teens when my hormones started kicking in and I started going through this, this change, my body was changing and like, you, I felt so insecure and so uncomfortable in my skin. And I was very quiet, very shy, very timid, so like such low self-esteem. And this guy was so fucking scary, you know, like he was really scary. And so he started to, um, you know, psychologically, emotionally abuse me during that first year, but I didn't know it. I didn't know what that was. Um, I was just trying my best to, you know, take care of him and, and do what he asked and trying to be good, trying to be a good girlfriend and like, you know, just, just rolling with it. I just had it in my head that, you know, this was my person, right? Of course I, I latched on and it's that, you know, that old daddy issues <laughs> ploy 100%, right? Like, I saw this person as this male figure in my life that was not only protecting me, but, you know, was infatuated with me, um, you know, thinking, of course, thinking about that later on, right? Like seeing the distinction of him being seven years older and me only just turning 17 when he had this, started this fixation with me. Um, of course, I I see how disturbing that is, but all of this was just like, I, I, I didn't have the the, the knowledge to understand and not be naive to the situation. All I knew was that everything was extremely uncomfortable and scary. And this person provided this illusion of a safe space. And then I latched on for dear life, was very codependent, um, and also was terrified. Over time, this person, you know, um, threatened me, right? It was almost like I after a certain point, like I didn't feel like I could get out of it. Right. He became insanely jealous and controlling. And, and when he said he was going to do something, boy, he meant it. 
right? So he would say these awful things to me about burning my family's house down and, you know, kidnapping this person and whatever. And and these things happened in his life, in his world that he brought me into. You know, I, I was involved in it. Like, <laughs> you know, so it was very, very believable to me whenever he would make these threats. And, and I felt trapped. Um, and, you know, after I had my son, um, things got worse because it's almost like during that first time together, um, he was really infatuated. There was this sort of this honeymoon phase. And then, um, the first time that I thought I was going to die, I thought he was going to kill me when I was pregnant. I had a one night, an incident with him and, um, you know, I went, I went through all the things, you know, I, I couldn't stop thinking about, about my family. Um, just, just wondering, just praying that I would be able to see them again. And, you know, I experienced that during my pregnancy. It was the worst, it was the worst year of my life. I could not even tell you, you know, but he never had the nerve to hit me. He never had the nerve, but he did everything else. You know, he would like, I remember he smashed the, uh, the glass. There was, I had a glass door on an entertainment unit smashed it clean off glass all over the floor smashed dishes um you know he would scream at me like hold me down and and scream in my face and he would throw things and so that's kind of what was happening during the during the first year that started happening and then he wouldn't fully commit to physically harming me until after i had my son and then it got to be like, you know, I was being shoved into walls. Uh, one time he bit me, <laughs> straight up bit me. Uh, again, it's almost like he couldn't, I remember that moment he was, he was so angry, but he couldn't bring himself to hit me. And so he took my, he grabbed me and he just put his head to the side and he just bit my arm. And there was teeth marks in my arm. You know, I brought it to the police. Eventually, you know, got a restraining order and all this and whatever. But, you know, living with this man was dealing with him over, over the time that I dealt with him, right? Because it was about probably a year or two after I had my son. Because, you know, there's a very strong biological connection. And I was very, very weak right? I just didn't have a strong sense of self to be able to know how to combat this person. I was on my own and, you know, it just was overwhelming. But so every day, every day, I bawled my eyes out and tried to just put on a face, a smiling face when I'd go out, you know, to do what I needed to do to get groceries, to get my son to daycare, to, you know, go in the rhythms, in the in the day-to-day -day life. And, um, but every day, every day was hell dealing with this person. He made me feel so small and powerless and helpless. And he drilled that into me every day since, since meeting him, basically. Like I said, there was a bit of honeymoon phase at the beginning, right? But there was this, still this fear, you know, just knowing how dangerous this person was and being around him, there was still this fear and it just increased 
you know, the more I got to know him, the more that I saw. Um, and so, you know, oh God, I could talk for weeks about the things I was exposed to, the things that he did to me, the ways that he tried to exploit me. Um, all of it will be coming out in my book um, that will be released sometime this year. Um, but my point is in sharing all of this is that this person made me feel like I was absolutely insignificant and useless and powerless and weak and like he could just come in and do whatever he wanted to me whenever he wanted walked all over me and this had such a profound effect on how I continued how I proceeded from that point from that point on to the rest of my life and it changed me forever it changed me forever in the deepest way I became somebody else because while all of this was going on I was I was too scared too shy too you know not confident to to confront him to fight back to say anything you know I just let him do all of this to me and after I finally I finally was able to get him out of my life and cut him off and get whatever legal measures in place to protect myself because at that point I 100% came to the conclusion that my son would be better off not being involved with this person at all and that I was going to raise my son completely alone and that somehow I knew inside that that was the right thing to do and so I had cut him off completely right and something changed in me so drastically and it was where you know and and especially in the earlier years I became extremely reactive and combative and confrontational because it was like in every moment that felt like it was threatening like it was threatening my ability to to you know uh, protect myself um, it felt like in every moment that was happening I was fighting for the girl that I used to be in all of those previous situations with him it felt like I was trying to take back my dignity piece by piece to stand up for that girl that I used to be you know the girl who couldn't do anything I wasn't gonna be that girl anymore there is no way that I would ever let anybody make me feel helpless ever again and so in these situations you know it was just like zero to 100 I was ready to go to war no matter what it took no matter what I had to say what I had to do the other person was going down because I was so fiercely connected to fighting for myself you know and it was the same feeling it would be like 
it would be like that would trigger this response in me where I was right back to who I used to be. And I would remember, and I would remember her. And something inside me would go fight for her, you know? And so this has, this has stayed with me all my life. And, you know, like fresh out of this, fresh out of this relationship, um, like I was very much confrontational and aggressive and all of these things, you know, needlessly. It's almost like I, like I sought to have these confrontations because I was so fucking equipped to go to war. You know, I was ready and I knew that I had the capacity to bring that other person down. I knew that I was smart enough that I had just survived this crazy thing, you know, um, that it was unlikely that the other person had survived what I did. And so I already felt like I had the upper hand in all these situations. And it made me, it gave me a sense of, of power to, to not feel weak, to realize that I knew that I wasn't as weak as my, my, uh, uh, what do you, I don't know, my, my challengers, my oppressors, right? Perceivably. Because I mean, half the time, you know, situations didn't need to be as chaotic as I made them sometimes. But I was so committed to nailing every asshole against the wall and making sure that they knew what they were doing and that they weren't going to get away from it. And, you know, I became like this fucking, like this vigilante. Like I started feeling like this is something that evolved in me. I, I started feeling like because I had this capacity now that I had to stand up for people who were weak. You know, um, like I felt like I had just gone through all of that to have these qualities about me to be able to speak out and stand up for people who can't speak for themselves. And, you know, I felt like it was this responsibility of mine. Right. And part of this has still stayed with me right in my speaking out right now, sharing all of this and starting this podcast. Right. It's like. It's it, it just rolls down my back, it, off my back to to be able to to come out and say these things and to share these things because it's, you know, it's not a big deal to me. I'm not that weak person anymore. And so I feel like I have a responsibility to share so that other women can hear me if they're going through stuff like that and, you know, feel empowered, you know, so so the tough part about this is that, you know, being reactive is not being connected to your femininity and it is not actually the best way to handle situations. Most of the time, being able to embody neutrality and kind of letting people make themselves look like idiots, you know, is, is more effective than being combative, right? Because if you just, you're neutral and you're in control and your words are few, then they are the one that is flying off the handle and they're going to feel, you know, they're going to quickly realize, right, that they're being, they're the crazy one because they don't have anything on you. You haven't done anything, right? And, you know, 
a beautiful thing about femininity is that in some of these situations that are very tense, you know, women have this amazing quality where if they're embodying their femininity, that they can be very, very calming to a situation, to an aggressive situation, you know, with the, with just their their love and their softness um, and just this overall calming demeanor, it can really dismantle a situation. And so, you know, being reactive, um, it, it kind of just, depending on who the person is, if you're dealing with another re- reactive person, you're just dumping fuel on each other's fire and you're creating chaos and it's just going to implode and make things, you know, really bad for the both of you. Um, and so my greatest challenge in life, right, is reconnecting with this femininity of mine and being calmer and being more easygoing and really choosing my battles because that's, that's the other side to this, right? Like I used to pride myself on being very confrontational but I would do it in like a, an intelligent, um, you know, way using psychology and, you know, very accurate points. Don't get me wrong. Like everything I had to say, it was never me calling, like calling somebody down. It was never like, oh, you're a piece of shit. You do this, blah, blah, blah. It was more like, you know, you're, uh, not connected to your vulnerability. You, you show that you don't have any personal integrity and this affects this and this and your relationships, you're contradicting yourself here, yada, yada, yada. Like it was all very intelligent, um, but the timing and the manner wasn't always, you know, uh, sensitive. That part of it wasn't intelligent, wasn't respectful, um, you know, because there are some things that are worth saying to people, right? And you'll know that they're able to hear it. And then there's some things that are not worth saying, right? Because ultimately people are individuals and they have to learn and grow on their own. And even though you can detect something in their life that, you know, is like a pattern or it's counterproductive or whatever, right? Like it's kind of like none of your business to infer on that unless they specifically ask you about it. Right. So it's like, you know, if you, if it's like, if you have a a really good friend and they respect the relationship and, you know, they, they hold their job and they're generally a pretty responsible person. Right. But you know, the, the flaws about them, right. That, are holding them back from being a more evolved version of themselves, that's, it's still not kind of appropriate to infer on that, right? Like, yeah, especially if they're not asking for it, right? Some people are, there. so many people are completely comfortable being complacent with what they have going on. And it's not like what they have going on, you know, is bad, but in terms of, you know, like a deep self-evolution, right? 
it's very rare that you find people that are always seeking to evolve, right? And, and want to be told these things so that they can change, right? It's, it's very rare that people are like that. People just kind of come to a certain place and they become complacent and comfortable and they don't really want to go beyond that. And so, but I would go out of my way to sort of, you know, be like this, 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 whatever. And that's because of my own, you know, just feeling, feeling powerful, you know, feeling, um, like I wanted to seek these, these things out. Like it was, you know what I mean? Like I was looking for ways to exercise this confidence and this ability that I had to go up against whatever at, at whatever, at any odds and, and, you know, persevere and, and have the upper hand and, you know, whatever. So, you know, like, I'm learning as life has gone on over the years, right? I've really seen the value in picking my battles. You know, most of the time it's just, it's also less tension and stress for me. If I just, I allow people to be human and live their own lives and make their own choices. And unless something directly affects me, then I will not get into a confrontation with somebody. Or if they specifically ask me what I think, you know, then I'll tell them. But this being reactive um, thing, you know, it just, it has just shown up so much for me. It is so hard for me to, to turn it off and just be this cool as a cucumber person all the time. Like I said, it's, it is a hell of a lot better than it used to be, but I know that it is going to be a lifelong process, you know, um, thinking that I don't have to be on guard with everyone or everything because something bad is going to happen, right? Because that's, that's essentially what it is. Like you are just acclimated to, you know, your whole foundation being shook and somebody ripping the carpet out from underneath you. And you got to be prepared for anything. Like, you know, like when I was younger, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, I could not imagine somebody doing to me the things that this person did to me. And so I had never learned to prepare myself for it. And then now it's like I've overlearned over preparing, you know, and then it's, it's trying to come to a state where, where, you know, I can trust that none of that is going to happen again. Right. Because I think so often when you're going through struggles and stuff, you're really caught off guard um, by shit that you can't see coming because you're so focused on going through what you're going through. And so being caught off guard when you, when you can't prepare for something, you know, it, that really traumatizes you, right? And it makes you, it makes you overcalculated because it's like, well, you know, like, oh shit, like I, oh damn it, I let my, let my guard down in this way. And, and so I got to make sure that that never happens again. Cause I, cause that was so traumatizing, you know? So I got to make sure that I think of this and this and this and this. So there's no way that anybody can intro, in, infiltrate and get inside and make me feel, you know, how I felt so long ago, which was utterly worthless right? And so you, you think of the feeling of that and your body will do, your mind will do anything 
to equip you with the tools necessary to avoid that situation again, right? And that's why I say it's a survival thing, right? So it's this programming learned from having to survive. And so single mothers, I think, can be affected by this, the ones that are really struggling because, you know, I've mentioned mentioned before that being a single mother is kind of like a, a tumbleweed of, of adversity, right? Where one builds up on the other and you kind of don't have time in between to process and give space to and like unpack, you know, the traumatic thing that happened before the next thing happens and it all just sort of snowballs and collects and it's very distracting and while you're focused on this and whatever and being a single mother then you know you're also vulnerable and then this thing happens and it just shapes you into this person who is combative because you don't want anything to happen you don't want the world or people to think that they can hurt you and and get away with things and that you're going to be the target of something you know it's like you you have to appear strong and scary so that nobody is going to mess with you right it's just like a it's like a deterrent it's like fuck off you know i got this you want to go to war we'll go to war i'm not a pushover i'm not somebody that you can take advantage of i'm not somebody that you're going to corner and make feel helpless right and i feel like single mothers have ex- have experienced this these these feelings of being helpless being walked all over being taken advantage of you know, because we're vulnerable. Being a single mother makes you very vulnerable to to a lot of predators. You know, people see there are predators out there who who see a single mother and they go, hmm, this is a target. This is an easy target, right? She's struggling. She doesn't have a lot of support, doesn't have a lot of people looking out for her. You know, I could probably get away with this and I could probably exploit her for this or whatever. Like that is the cold, hard truth. Single mothers are totally vulnerable, right? And predators will prey on women like that. So you have to unlearn the programming, right? And you have to learn how to pick and choose your battles. Um, You know, and sometimes it's like you can see something about a situation or somebody so clearly. But, you know, it's more about adjusting yourself, right? To not react to that or take it so personally or, or focus so much on it right? Sometimes it involves just doing more work, right? Like it's especially like, like I, I could be very nitpicky, right? In, in my past, right? And, and very stubborn. And instead of adjusting myself to like do more work or, you know, for the sake of peace, then I would be very stubborn about things and be like, all right, so this, yeah, 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 yeah. but then that's when you start the cycle of nitpicking, right? So, I am okay with doing a little bit more, um, you know, in terms of whether, whether it's like tasks or, or like in friendships, you know, sometimes it's listening more than sharing, right? I am okay with taking more of that in the chin rather than being reactive about it and letting it upset me, right? I just sort of adjust my thinking around it and I go, well, let's look at the bigger picture here. You know, what is the outcome of this? Is it worth it? Are these people capable of uh, changing for the better? Is that something that they value? Um, you know, is this going to change? Is this going to set a, kind of set off a, uh, a trail of events where 
I'm going to start nitpicking about everything because everything's going to start bothering me as soon as I take action on this one thing that's nitpicking that I'm nitpicking about. <laughs> so it's just it's just a manner of keeping your personal peace, right? And thinking about the consequences of speaking up. And sometimes it is necessary, right? Sometimes it is very human to have a reaction to something, right? That's also important. I don't want to completely negate having reactions, right? Sometimes there's really terrible situations and you're showing that you're human by reacting to it, right? And it's normal to to be kind of messy sometimes that way, right? But but I think that my overall reactions to things have really decreased the more years that go by because I'm trying to be so mindful about everything and when you start practicing kind of ignoring this and ignoring that and you know letting it roll off your back and whatever then you do get better at it right and then you do notice the peace that sort of comes to your life right and maybe that's the other thing right like like I was so hard <laughs> it's kind of a funny uh, word, <laughs> but I was just so callous back in the day after my trauma with this person that I couldn't feel. I remember not being able to cry for a couple years, which is so weird to me now because I mean, half the time I can't even sing a song in my car while I'm driving down the street <laughs> without crying because of how incredibly overwhelmingly happy it makes me feel I can't even watch a Disney movie without crying <laughs> so imagine imagining myself like this is very surreal but for a couple of years after that relationship I was so calloused and you know I detached myself altogether from feeling right I was just made of a rock and so maybe I didn't care so much about the tension that I was causing with confrontation and and, you know, uh, just being so forthright because I literally couldn't feel the tension, right? I, I couldn't feel the consequences of that because I was just so out of touch with myself, right? Another thing that I'll add, though, you know, um, when you are really struggling and you are reactive, um, I feel like you kind of have to be when you're in a certain, like, demographic and you're in poverty and whatever, because it's like, it's a protection mechanism for a reason, right? Like, you're deterring people. It's useful for people to know that they can't fuck with you when you're, you know, in a certain position in life, right? So I do think that it kind of worked to my advantage um, in a lot of scenarios because if I was, you know, really feminine and shy and like you know kind of vulnerable and kind of a pushover then it would have invited more people into my life um but again right it's it's just not leaning too much into the extreme of something right it does have its place but to completely let it consume you like it did for me for so many years right um you know, it, it just has such a detrimental effect on your programming in your brain, right? To, for programming that's gone on for that long, right? And, and also, 
taking root to that degree because of how poorly I was treated, um, you know, to that degree, it just, it just takes a long time <laughs> to unravel, you know, but, but I feel good. I'm proud of myself, right? I see, I see the progress in myself every year that goes by. And I think that that's the most important thing, right? If you can look back on an old version of you, even six months ago, and feel like you're a little bit better, then that's all that matters. So thank you for listening to the extensive podcast on my greatest fault. <laughs> and I hope, I hope that it's, that it's helped somebody. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>